0: Bringing you the best story, best trends, and best game from the best conference. Fourth and Manageable, an SEC football podcast.
1: Now, here's John Chuckley and Ashley Holder. Welcome into Fourth and Manageable. We are, of course, brought to you by Odyssey. We ask you to head over and download the Odyssey app if you would. Hit that auto-subscribe button. That way you can catch all of the episodes that we have coming up for you. I am John Chuckery. She is Ashley Holder. And Ashley, we got a bunch to talk to today. We're going to talk about divisions potentially going away in the SEC. Is it how much does expansion help the SEC? And we'll take a look back at the College Football Awards show from last night. But Ashley, let's start. I want to start with divisions. You know, Greg Sankey had said that with SEC Media Days, he said it recently with a host in South Carolina about the idea that they are seriously discussing when or the idea of divisions going away. So take away the SEC East, take away the SEC West. We know the ACC is doing it. The Big 12 already does it. Big 10 is potentially looking at this as well. I don't like this. I'll be honest with you. I I understand the idea of getting the top two teams. I like keeping divisions intact and giving everybody something first to shoot for and then getting in the championship game from there.
0: Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing about this is, like, I feel almost like it was inevitable that it was going to happen. Also, once we get to talking about the um, college football playoffs as well, but I think what maybe makes it a little bit more exciting exciting is since 1992, they've obviously had this East and West, and, you know, pretty much everybody is clear-cut down the line. Besides, I mean, I guess you look at Missouri, they're kind of not in the middle but somewhat in the middle. But now you look at a point where – these teams are finally going to get to play other teams that they have not. You look at some of these teams that they haven't played them in like like five years, a decade or whatever, or they've only hosted, you know, A&M has only hosted this team one time. So now when you look at it, maybe not school-wise, but when you look at, Everything that runs, right, is dollars. It's all about money, 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 money. So you're going to look at some of these smaller cities and these towns and these are these big city, small town type of field, and It's going to bring a lot of revenue to them. It's going to bring a lot of revenue with the school fans. And we know SEC fans, they love to travel, right? So you're going to have a lot of people that are traveling on this right there. And It was something that what Sankey said, I think, in his press conference that he was talking about, like, during the pandemic or around that time, they had the highest viewership when it came to the SEC games. Now, granted, it was the pandemic. You really couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. A lot of people weren't going to the games. But I think right there is really what piqued that interest. And I know we keep saying they're talking about going away with it. They're going away
1: with it. Like, Yeah, it's inevitable. Yeah,
0: it's happening. Like We already know that that's happening.
1: You know, I – I understand a conference like the ACC, because if you look, look, nobody benefited, and and they're not going to get away from championship games, especially like the SEC, like the SEC championship game is like literally the third most important game played in college football every year. I can understand the ACC, you know, because let's look at it for the last decade, Clemson beating up on whatever, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, you know, whatever in that Virginia Tech, right? Right. Like you get such a mismatch that a conference like the ACC doesn't benefit from it. But what I do like about the SEC is look, the SEC is a lot more balanced league. Like for instance, I don't need to see whatever it is, you know, let's say it's Georgia Auburn or let's say it's, let's say it's two West division team. Let's say it's LSU and Alabama that are going to play in the regular season play again, And and really not a lot has benefited from all of it. I I understand that they're worried about the playoff, that, okay, we want to make these games meaningful and get as many teams in as we can. But I have a saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the SEC championship game is as important a college football game played. There's been nothing wrong with East and West the way that it works now. I just feel like we're, we're starting to cater too much toward what the playoff expansion is starting to bring.
0: Right. And I mean, it's it's kind of you can go either way with it. Right. And you look at some of these teams where what I was just saying before is that they won't have these major gaps um, that they've had in the year. But w- another exciting point of that is they could possibly go to nine conference games. Right. So right. Is that and that's, good? The other, is that's that bad.
1: That's the other thing, because that right. way you're going to play everybody on a four year cycle no matter what
0: exactly and that's the point of that but then you look at the other parts then you have to worry about injuries right you already look at Hooker and and guys like that and now you have to worry about those those type of injuries but then you also look at the other games that they're going to play now you're going to be playing those kind of like easy peasy games you know the ones where they're you know you're paying a school to beat up on them and and things like that and on top of that as well you're not going to see these kind of fun out of the out of the division out of the conference games right those thrillers if you go play Utah and have this crazy game or whatever they're going to use all of those rest of those games for kind of cupcake cupcake games as I would really call them so I mean you could really go either way but yeah you don't want to see those type of games but at least you know that you're bound to see them every other year You know, once every four years, whatever it might be, how that how that schedule is going to go. But you're going to be excited for people that, you know, Alabama can play Georgia, Vandy, Kentucky and all those different types of people in one year.
1: You know, the other. And again, when you look at other power five conferences, the ACC Coastal has been dreadful. I mean, by and large, it's not a very good division. So they've matched up with Clemson the last handful of years whether it's been a Georgia Tech or whether it's been Virginia Tech, the Big Ten West, the Big Ten West is a joke. Like the fact that you have Michigan and Purdue playing so in a Big Ten title game. So I understand the idea of balancing out the conference. But, you know, what you run into is I like seeing Baylor and TCU play one another. Do mm-hmm. I need to see Baylor and TCU play in back-to-back weeks, though? And, and mm-hmm. when you get into just listing everybody like that. And and I guess one of the good things about the SEC is there are several matchups in rivalry week where, you know, it is Louisville, Kentucky. It is, you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech and Florida, Florida State. So you, you have a potential where you're not going to get necessarily the same game in back-to-back weeks. The AAC a few weeks ago was looking at that, that they were potentially looking at Tulane and Cincinnati playing One week in Cincinnati, the next week in Tulane or whatever. I don't know. Like, seeing back-to-back games in a week and that potential, that's another thing that I like about the divisions versus Hmm. jumble everybody together and just pick the top two teams.
0: Well, that's where you look at kind of those lower-tier SEC East teams, right? So when you're looking at Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri, Vandy, now, I mean, imagine what that schedule looks like now you know what I mean? They're already, right. these are, these are programs who are kind of up and down, trying to figure their way out, trying to, you know, get their way through the mud and try and get back to a consistent level or just to, so, so, so basically I was going to say this word, but I cannot say it right. So I'm just going to move past it, but basically make a bowl game. You get what I mean? And now that, that, that road to that bowl game has become a lot harder if this is the situation that it happens. But what I did see is someone put, and I wrote this, I wrote this down. I can't remember who said it. Um, it was a reporter, but they said divisions don't determine the best teams, the best, cha- the, the, the best champion anyways. You know, if you're taking the SEC championship, does that does that does that make sense to you? Because I I kind of understood a little bit of what he was trying to say, and I cannot think of, of think of his name because he was just saying, you know, the Pac-12, you're just taking the two best teams, right? Like you're not having to go to the division and say this or or you know what I mean? Does that I, I might not be explaining that right
1: though. No, you, you I, I get, you know, again I I I understand that because um, you go
0: back to Florida State, Jimbo, and then Dabo at Clemson and what they were doing, and then the Scrubs that they played right. after they played.
1: You get what right. I mean? That, that was like and, the and, best example. And, and they've that. tried, you know, look, I, you know, the ACC, when they brought Florida state and Miami in, they set it up because they thought those two teams at that point, when they set up the division and everything and expand the ACC, they thought those two teams would be playing every year in the ACC title game. Okay. It didn't work that way. You got Virginia tech and Florida state, right? You've had Georgia tech in there and I'm not trying to knock those programs. But if they're good enough to win their division, I don't have a problem with that. What I, what I don't want to see is I, I know the idea of Ohio State-Michigan playing that final of the game of the year is awesome. Do I need to see them, though, play the very next week on a neutral site and come right back two weeks in a row with that? See, that's my problem is, yes, Ohio State-Michigan, you're not going to get two better teams. But is it better for the conference – when we talk about expanded playoffs, and we're going to talk about that with the SEC, is it better for the conference at Ohio State-Michigan play each other in back-to-back weeks where you potentially knock one of the other teams out? Or is that what's better for the Big Ten is, rather than Michigan and Purdue, because my thing with the Big Ten, for instance, split up Ohio State-Michigan, Penn State-Michigan State. You don't have to have all of those teams on that side of the division. You, know, you can split those up and bring Wisconsin and Minnesota over to the East or like that. I just don't know that I want to see Ohio State-Michigan lining up in back-to-back weeks. This isn't baseball where you play one team three days in a row. I like having some diversity in the schedule. Yeah, but see, the problem is
0: is when you have gone so long since the 90s where some of these teams have not met and they've only met for so many times in the last decade, now you have to go to the point where they're going to switch it up or – potentially switch it up to see how it is to put them in that situation to see if it works. Right. I mean, cause it's all, it, it's all going to be trial and error to see if it works. I mean, right. they're going to leave well, it for let, this. Let me
1: give let me give you a scenario. Let, like let me give you a specific example and you tell me what you think about this. So let's say the iron bowl is Auburn, Alabama at the end of the year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing on the line. Let's say Georgia, whatever's had a bad year. Let's just, just in my hypothetical situation, Auburn, Alabama play at the end of the year, and they play in Auburn. And to be honest with you, neither one of those teams can drop to third in the SEC. So now the Iron Bowl played week one doesn't mean a whole lot because the two seeds are already going to play. We already know a week ahead of time that they're going to play in the SEC championship game. Now they play the Iron Bowl, turn right back around, and play again the following week in Atlanta. Now for the SEC title game. Do you want to see, let's say, the Iron Bowl where it doesn't mean anything, neither team can get knocked out just to turn around and play the same game the very next week.
0: Yeah. I mean, you make a good point, but yeah, I mean that and that was one of the things that I saw um when I was like, you know, kind of doing a lot of reading and stuff like this on on this topic. They basically were saying that a lot of these games, especially when you get to those bowl games, are not there's not gonna be any stipulations on the line, right? Right. And, and then you're gonna be in a position, well. You, 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 do you rest players? Do you relax and are, are, you know what I mean? Take care of your team in, in in different, in different type of ways. But that's again where the trial, trial and error is. I don't know, but a lot of people, you know, then you can go back and say that a lot of people like to play for bragging rights at the same time. Well, just to say, so let mean, me ask so you that. You if, if you're, a way.
1: Let, let's say, let's say you're in the SEC. Let's say you're Florida. Let, let's say you're, you're Florida and Georgia. Let's just, uh, let's just use it for an argument. Let's say that you're Florida, Georgia, and neither one of you is going to finish in the top two, okay? How excited does it become to be slotted fourth, fifth, sixth, or whatever like that in the SEC? Everybody else, you know, there's, there's LA, let's say it's LSU, Alabama's playing for the two top spots because we don't have divisions anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, where does that leave everybody else? I mean, where does that leave right. Tennessee, Florida? You know, Tennessee, at least, let's just say, okay, They've got a shot at the end of the season to still potentially win the East to get a trip to Atlanta. I promise you, coaches want to be in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I promise you, Georgia Tech, has, when Paul Johnson was there, they wanted to play in the ACC title game, even if that meant that they got to play 12-0 Clemson or whatever to get there. You want a shot to play in that game. Well, how many teams realistically are fighting for the top one or two spots, especially in the SEC?
0: Right, exactly. And and again, that's where that's that's where everything is going to get a little sticky for them. Right. Is they're going to have to figure out what to put on the line or what stipulations because they find for themselves. And it's not going to be within like, I mean, yeah, it's going to be seating, but or where they stand in the SEC, right in the standings. But at that point, it's just not going to matter. You know, when it comes down to it, some of these games right. aren't going to matter. And then they're just going to have to simply play for bragging rights or because I don't know. Their coach is gonna run them to death the next day. I don't know. They're gonna find some reason to do it, but yeah, I mean it gets it gets sticky. But I, and and I'll talk a little bit more about this uh, once we get to the playoffs. Whether you take the divisions away, it still doesn't change who's going to be there for the most part, right? Yeah, we know that you got Oklahoma and Texas joining, so. You're going to shake some stuff up a little bit. Obviously, we know who's going to, you know, uh, Texas eventually to be their quarterback and see how that shakes out for him. But still, at the same time, eight times out of ten, I only say that because I don't really know what Oklahoma and Texas do do to the SEC in general. Once that happens, you're going to get the same teams there. And we see we already know who one of them are. So at the end of the day, you could take it away. It's not going to change it, though, but it just makes it exciting. And then we can just completely, which we'll talk about this as well, the money factor. It's really not about them. It's about money. It's it's about (laughs) about profit. It has nothing to do about making this, I mean, yes, it makes it exciting somewhat, but it's all about what you're going to bring in for money because that's what people care about. That's what they care about. That's just a fact.
1: So let's move over into playoff expansion talk and, and how much does it hurt or, hurt or help the SEC, which I think the automatic thing is that it's going to help the SEC. But let me, let me give you what the top 12 is right now by conference, okay? If you take the college football playoff polls by conference, there are three teams in the SEC, three teams in the Big Ten, three teams in the Pac-12. There are two teams uh, in the Big 12, one in the ACC. So that's how it stands now. Now, when we go to 12 teams, one thing you have to keep in mind is the group of five is getting a a spot in the 12-team playoff. So Mm -hmm. one of those teams that I just mentioned in one of those power fives is out because you're going to add a group of five. And then there's always the wild card of Notre Dame. And I think people automatically think that the SEC is just going to overload the playoff. But again, this year, the SEC would have three, the Big Ten, three, the Pac-12, three, the Big 12, two. So there's not this disparate. With the four getting the division. bye already. Right, right, exactly. But as far as number of teams coming in the, in, into the playoff, it's not like that the – I think people are thinking like the SEC is going to have five or six teams in the playoff. Well, mm-hmm. that's not going to be realistic. And I promise you, let a mediocre two-lane or let Notre Dame start taking away power five spots, the fun of that 12-team playoff for some teams is going to go away very quickly.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I think you when you look at the playoffs, it's just inevitable that it was going to happen, right? Because people right. were going to continue to go back and forth and say, well, they were they would find a million reasons of why it should be expanding or why it should go all the way to the BCS uh format and how it was, which I truly enjoyed BCS. I thought there was so much excitement around it, you know, take these two teams, boom, we're done. That is what it is. I, I actually kind of miss that model, but I understand what they're trying to do with with this now, but um. I mean, what I will say is, I think it makes it pretty exciting. Which I'll talk about the money stuff here in a second. I think it makes it pretty exciting for the bowl season, though, right? You you look at December. December is going to be stacked. It's once once if and once this model goes in to play. Whenever this happens, right? You look at the bowl games. They're just going to be. C- completely stacked in the way that you know december is going to be looking right you look at people like us for our job it's going to be exciting lots of traveling with that lots of excitement with it and stuff and and things like that and I, i think it puts a lot more somewhat puts a lot more on the line for um for all, for all of these games to mean something, right? Because you got to look at the seating. You already got four that are already going there. They're hosting certain situations before you get to a neutral site and things like that. So, I mean, it's the fun, it's the fun in it. Right. And you look at it a lot of this comes before new year's before the new year. So, I mean, what a way to, to bring in a lot of those games. But um, the problem with that too, is again, what we talked about was injuries, you add a lot more games to the schedule. These guys have to go a lot longer. Again, we don't know how that really shakes out um, for them. But then you go into the TV, the TV aspect. The TV deals are monstrous, right? The money that they're getting, the bidding that will, the war that will be happening. We know ESPN has a lot of that, but outside of that, all all the money that's going to be and revenue that's going to be made from just extending this a lot longer is astronomical. You know what's funny,
1: you know, funny when you mentioned the BCS? The BCS promised one thing, and it was never promised in the past, and it's actually not promised in the playoff era. The BCS promised that the number one and number two team would play every year for the national championship, regardless of who it is or whatever, like that. Whoever came out number one would play number two. Now, obviously, we never had that system before. You very rarely got one versus two to decide national championship. That was Miami and Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl. Those were those rare exceptions. And it doesn't guarantee, even in a 14 playoff, that one will play number 2 mm-hmm. it's worked out that way sometimes but you know it's not always been one it's not always guaranteed one versus 2 so it's funny when you say that because i don't have as much i didn't have as much problem with the bcs system as what people did because it guaranteed me they didn't promise anything else all they promised yeah. was one will play two no matter mm-hmm. how it if that means george is one and Fordham is number 2 or whatever that's the that's, yeah, that's the going to play Right, that's who's playing. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. can politic all you want, but when one and two come out, that's who will play. Now, yeah. m- my only other problem with the playoff, though, is, and this was a bad narrative that people came up with last year. If you remember the Rose Bowl last year, was Utah and Ohio State, right? And that's where Marvin Harrison, Jackson Smith, and Jigman mm-hmm. Stroud really got it rolling, and that game was phenomenal. Like there were like seven touchdowns scored in a nine possession period in that game is ridiculous right pinball and everybody's yeah. like look and see if because utah was like eighth or something like that And everybody's like look if you expand to eight teams this would be a playoff and this then the other no it wouldn't the reality would have been this that utah team would have traveled across the united states and gone yeah, to sanford out. stadium to take on georgia and you know what would have happened that it got beat by four Mother, touchdowns, yeah georgia right yeah so is that and you're
0: gonna and they're gonna see some of those games if they right. happen, they're gonna yeah. see some of those games where we see now you see With this 14, team that gets in now. there and then they go get pummeled by what? by a Georgia and then it's a pointless game for pretty much everybody and how that ended up, um, and how it ends up you know crumbling in
1: that point, yeah. And, and it's just a situation where. I, I understand. Look, to your point, we were always going to get a four team or a 12 team. Well, maybe not even a 12 team uh, playoff, but we were going to get a we were going to get that kind of playoff system and it wasn't going to be just four. But the idea of going 12 just seems like it was such yeah. a, a quick jump for all of that. Yeah, well,
0: you look at this, like people were complaining for years, they were complaining for five, 10 years, like, hey, you know, this needs to happen. Uh, We got to We got to expand it. Right. But it's going to still be the same 15, 20 teams competing to get one of these spots when it comes to the playoffs. And then it's only going to be about five teams that actually have an actual chance of going to the national championship and winning. So again, it's still the same thing that I was saying. Once you take on the divisions away from the sec, it's still going to be the same thing. So for me, I mean, like I said, I like the BCS model. But I'm also okay with four teams and just the selection process going a little bit different. Now, I can't sit here and be like, oh, I would do this, and I would do this, and do." I don't know what exactly it is. I mean, there's a couple stuff that I don't like that they do. But um, I just think if the selection process was different, I would definitely be down, you know, and cool with the four teams. But, of course, my favorite is the BCS model. For you, you know, what what's the best – What's the best scenario you see when it comes to to playoff? I like what we have now.
1: I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is something that literally, if you go back to like 1979, 1980, Pat Dye and Vince Dooley talked about having a plus one system. That's what they talked about. It was called plus one, which was literally, you played your big bowl games. And then once you played the Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl, this, any other, then the top two teams out of that would meet for one game, again, you have the top two teams that would meet and then they play for a national championship. It was literally just a plus one game. Get through all the bowl games and then the top two teams will play that one last time. They talked about that in like the late 70s, early 80s. But mm-hmm. this let me ask it to you like this okay. Most years, the SEC is going to have a very possible chance to get two teams in a 14 playoff, right? We've seen that multiple times. Okay. So what's better two out of four teams or three out of 12, because this year you'd have three out of 12 in many years, you get two out of four. So Mm -hmm. from a conference standpoint, The SEC is not gaining a whole lot out of all of this. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. like the SEC is going to have 16. But what I do like
0: is that you're not in a position where, okay, if they lose this one game in the earlier in the season, that it kills them for the rest of, you know, the year when it goes into playoffs and it comes back to bite them in the butt. I do think that that's at least a positive when it comes to that.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Okay. So what if, Just for argument's sake, let's say this year we had a 12-team playoff. Let's say Oregon was number 12, okay? So that means, well, let's put it like this. Let's say Oregon has to go back and play Georgia in the playoffs, okay? Mm -hmm. They got beat 49-3 to when they came across the United States to start the season. You can Mm -hmm. tell me they're better. Okay, it may not be Mm 49-3, but am I going to see a rematch of a game where, okay, Maybe it's thirty-five to ten. Does that make it feel yeah, better? Yeah, it's I mean, not like he. Right,
0: right, right. I mean, that it's not like they're going to turn around and a have a playoff
1: game. I mean, yeah. yeah, and that's my thing is that it just it, it. feels like once you start to get into twelve teams, you know, you're going to get a lot of teams that start to get on the fringe. That's what's great about the SEC is that the SEC is a a very right a, the SEC is a very top-heavy conference. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very top-heavy. We just talked about the other day, Georgia's the best program in the country. Alabama's one of the three or four best programs in the country. You have really, really high caliber programs that as you water it down, it's not like way more teams are coming into this thing. Again, the top 12 teams, only three are in the SEC. It's not like that there were six teams this year. It's not like Florida and this and that and everybody was in. By the time LSU loses the fourth time in the SEC title game, they're not a top 12 team anymore and so mm-hmm. you can you can you fight for most years two out of four let me put this way yeah if, if lsu had if lsu had beaten a okay that georgia lsu game lsu would have played for a chance to be in the 14 playoff i firmly believe as a mm-hmm. as a two loss yeah. team that if lsu beats georgia they would have put both georgia in both lsu in well in my math world i know it's mm-hmm. new math nowadays but two out of four is better than three out of twelve.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, well, you look at it. I mean, if this really goes into play, you don't know how many teams out of the SEC you could see. Right? LSU could be going up. Tennessee could be there. Well, obviously, we know the Georgia. Who knows what happens to Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma? So, I mean, I, I anticipate that I, I anticipate that SEC will be pretty heavy in it. You know, or at least we'll have m- not majority, but a good a good representation of the yeah, scc and, and again, they, we they, have they, to factor in the 12. But again, I will say this, cause I forgot to say this earlier. A lot of this stuff, they say they are doing it for the fans, the fans, the fans. Most of these fans will never even see their team in, exactly. in this 12, this right. 12 uh, team model. Anyways, right. you're going right. to just find a team within the playoffs that you want to root for, which nine times, 10, 10 10s, if you didn't go to the school is some type of underdog that you want them to knock off the other person. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're and, not going to see, they're not going to see their, their missus. The something. Yeah.
1: The other part is they're not going to put first round playoff games in the pool Land weed eater bowl or the poinsettia bowl. Those games will right. be played on campus. The, the, everything's going to be it was always going to be that model of on campus. That's why I say it's great to talk about the Rose Bowl with Utah and Ohio State last year. But the reality is Utah would come across the United States and have to play Georgia in their building and they'd get drubbed. I mean, that game would be a drubbing last year. So it, it will be interesting to see how this kind of shakes out. But I think once you had the group of five in Notre Dame, you know, I don't know that, that there's this massive, more big footprint that the sec is going to have uh, out of all of it. All right, mm-hmm. let's switch gears. Let's talk about last night. We got the college football award winners, the home Depot college football awards were handed out. You know, this is probably a precursor Ashley, but you saw last night, Caleb Williams was the Walter camp winner. He was the Maxwell Award winner. So he won both the best quarterback award in college football and the best player award in college football. Was that due to his nails? Well, could be. Yeah. I mean, maybe he painted the right message this time, right? (laughs) I mean, so I I have no reason to believe, based upon last night, that he's not winning all these other awards.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he definitely – yeah, I mean he deb- he listen he he had a great year. Um, he's explained why. I mean he showed why he he was able to get those awards, and I mean obviously we'll s- hopefully see it uh, go to the next level. But I mean uh, it made sense, and I think he made a he made a pretty good statement not only there, but obviously for uh, the things that he were do- he was doing during the season. It's not like he was like one of those cutesy, quiet quarterbacks. You know, he he seemed like he he had a little dog in him. He played with a little grit. You know what I mean? Not just not just showing it, but talking it as well.
1: Were you surprised that Jalen Hyatt won the Bolitnikoff Award?
0: Well, I think if any Tennessee player wins any great award, <laughs> I'm truly just not surprised. You know <laughs> what I mean? At this point, no. You can't but, ask a biased person that as well. No, I know. I want to see run. what you'd say. <laughs> because
1: I, most people thought Marvin Harrison. Uh, I Look, I love Hyatt. I think Marvin Harrison is not only the best wide receiver in college football. Write this down for a year from now. Marvin Harrison is going to be making a run at the number one overall draft pick for the draft come next year. When, when he, yeah. when he's done next year, he's potentially going to be the number one overall pick. He's And then that- you think
0: about what, and then you think about what you just did, by not selecting him, right? You just gave him, you just put a little oh, bit more yeah. fuel fuel yeah. to the fire, right? Yeah. So and, you, I
1: mean, and you think about Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't basically played all year. That was yeah. supposed to be the guy that was supposed to be in that spot.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think you look at it too like you, they they also put all these storylines in there too from what Tennessee has come from, you know, and just from right. the path that they've done, not not be, taking the bias out of it, but just from where they were, where they started, let's just say, quote unquote, to where, where they were this year. Of course, we expect them to be okay or or whatever, but not obviously go to where they they were a damn near a number one team in the country, you know, close to it. You get what I mean. So I think you just look at the whole storyline of what they've done and then, you know you probably added a little bit of hooker in there and like, you know what, this guy, that's how they come to their a little bit of their conclusion, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, any surprise that Brock Bowers was the Mackey Award winner best tied in in the country. You look at his numbers, they were down. The big number that's way down this year is the touchdowns. It's mm-hmm. literally half. From 13 down to 6. Yards are about, you know, 150 maybe difference, few less catches, but he's far and away the best tied in in America, right? I don't know that there's anybody else that that I'm going to put it to and imagine if they actually fed him the ball the way that they probably should, his numbers would be staggering.
0: Yeah. And I mean, but they they probably looked at his game all the way around. Like you said, too, what is he doing when it's coming to coming to blocking, opening up, you know, different spots for other guys to to be seen on that offense as well. But yeah, I mean, again, we already know what Georgia is. There's no reason to even go hard with that because... (laughs) (laughs) they're the best team in the country. They're the best program. They're going to give it to these. They're going to give them their players for sure.
1: Yeah. Talk about another guy who's going to be a huge draft pick next year. That'll be Brock Bowers. Want to bring up one more with you. And I, Will Anderson was the, Will Anderson won both the Bednarik award, defensive player of the year, Nagurski award for best defensive player of the year. I know how good Will Anderson is. And maybe it's just a matter of there wasn't a specific player that just jumped off the page this year. But it feels like that Will Anderson maybe didn't have the same impact this year. You know, his numbers are, I think he had 10 or 11 sacks compared to 17. And he's got the bowl games, you know, to, to make up some more numbers. But I'm a little bit surprised that that he is the defensive player of the year. And maybe there was just nobody else to really just automatically hand it to.
0: Yeah, that's probably honestly, John, what you're saying. That's probably what it was. You know, they're just like, you know, we got to figure out all these awards. You know what? He's all right. You know, let's just give it to him. You never really know. Like I said, these processes and and the way that they they rate these guys or how they come up to the conclusion of who gets this and and the seeding all this stuff. It's it always I always want to be a fly on the wall in these rooms, right? Because I'm just very curious of how they get to these, especially when those numbers, like you brought with Brock Bowers, are not as high as you would expect them to be for someone you're saying is the best tight end in in college football right now so
1: yeah it's uh it's interesting but the sec completely dominated everything so okay that is it we appreciate everybody being a part of the show we ask you to head over to odyssey download the odyssey app so you can catch us and hit that auto subscribe button that you can always find us available to you this has been fourth of the manageable i'm john chuckley she's ashley holder we'll be back with you next week.